the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. The person who has experienced God's forgiveness is blessed. Blessed. The person whose transgressions are forgiven. Those are purposeful sins. Those are things we do on purpose. The man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. That person is blessed to experience the forgiveness of God as a blessing. In the message today, you'll hear how God used Jeremiah to communicate a message to Judah, giving them one more chance to repent. You'd think after time and time again, they would take this message to heart. Has the Lord been nudging you? Pastor Dan will encourage you in the message today to repent. Don't wait until it's too late. It might seem like you have your entire life ahead of you, but there's no telling what tomorrow will bring. Today is the day. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah chapter 36 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. We're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 36. We're going to cross-reference a couple passages in the New Testament. 2 Timothy 3, 2 Peter chapter 1, and Matthew chapter 5. 2 Timothy 3, 2 Peter 1, and Matthew chapter 5. If you want to go ahead and find those, it'll make it easier for you when the time comes. Well, remember the book of Jeremiah is not written in chronological order. It kind of jumps around. Uh, throughout the history of, of Judah, the kingdom of Judah. So you can't really read it straight through chronologically. Chapter 36 takes place during the reign of Jehoiakim, who was one of the kings of Judah. Verse 1 says, Now it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, from Yahweh, Saying, And so it's the fourth year of Jehoiakim's reign. Jeremiah receives another word from the Lord. And so the fourth year of Jehoiakim's reign, that would put us at 605 B.C. 605 B.C. Jeremiah has been ministering for 23 years at this point. He's at, he's at about the halfway point in his ministry. His ministry lasted about 42 years. He's been at it now for about 23 years. Uh, It was also the same year, 605 BC. It's the same year that the Babylonians invaded the land of Judah for the first time. Remember, there there were three invasions by the Babylonians. 605 BC, you've got the first invasion 
of, the, of Judah by the Babylonians. Uh, this is also when the first wave of captives were carried away to Babylon. Uh, included among that first wave of captives that were carried away to Babylon were the prophet Daniel and three young men named Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, or better known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So this is when they're carried away. And this is when the word came to Jeremiah once again in the fourth year of Jehoiakim's reign. And the Lord told Jeremiah in verse 2, take a scroll of a book and write on it all the words that I have spoken to you against Israel, against Judah, and against all the nations from the day I spoke to you from the days of Josiah, even to this day. And so the Lord commands Jeremiah to write down in a scroll, in a book, all the prophecies he had received from the Lord from the beginning of his ministry back in the days of Josiah. So apparently Jeremiah didn't write down these prophecies that he received from the Lord, or maybe he, he wrote them down, but he's got them, you know, separated, and the Lord is telling him to compile them all onto one scroll, but he, does, he doesn't have them in book form. He doesn't have them collected together on a scroll. He hasn't written them together on a scroll. In verse 3, the Lord tells us why he wants Jeremiah to write in a scroll all the prophecies that he received. He's, the Lord says, it may be that the house of Judah will hear all the adversities which I purpose to bring upon them, that everyone may turn from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Verse 3 really shows to us God's heart. God's desire is to forgive to forgive people of their sin. He wants to forgive us of all of our sin. He wants people everywhere to repent of their sins, turn to Him, and be forgiven. That's His desire. That's His heart. Uh, in Ezekiel chapter 33, the Lord says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from His way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die? That's the Lord's heart. That's what He desires for every person. That's what He desires for rebellious man. He pleads with man to turn, to repent, and be saved, be forgiven. And God does everything He can short of violating our free will to forgive us of our sins, even sending His own Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. To pay the penalty for our sins that we've committed. To take the punishment that we deserve as our, as our substitute standing in for us. The Bible says God sent His Son as a demonstration of His love for us. To show us how much He loves us. To show us how much He wants to forgive us. To show us how much He wants to be reconciled and wants a relationship with us. And so the Lord told Jeremiah, write down all the prophecies I've given you in a book, because it may be that the house of Judah will read it and turn from their evil ways, 
so I can forgive them. You know, David writes in the Psalms, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. The person who has experienced God's forgiveness is blessed. Blessed. The person whose transgressions are forgiven. Those are purposeful sins. Those are things we do on purpose. The man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. That person is blessed to experience the forgiveness of God as a blessing. So verse 4. Then Jeremiah called Baruch, the son of Neriah. And Baruch wrote on a scroll of a book. At the instruction of Jeremiah, all the words of the Lord which he had spoken to him. Now, we first met Baruch back in chapter 32. Baruch was Jeremiah's assistant and Jeremiah's secretary. Baruch did the actual writing of the words of Yahweh as Jeremiah told him. Jeremiah dictated to Baruch what to write down. Now, back in 1975, how many of you were alive in 1975? Most of us here, except for the kids. (laughs) Back in 1975, archaeologists who were excavating in Israel, they found together, like a stockpile, of 250 clay seals, like signet ring seals. They were all together in a pile. A couple years later, Uh, Archaeologists, again, were excavating this time in an area of Jerusalem called the City of David, and they found a pile of 50 clay seals. And, uh, you know, a a, a seal uh, was, you know, you create it with a signet ring, uh, and you would use clay or wax to emboss uh, your signature on on a document or a letter. Uh, In ancient times, clay or wax seals were your official signature. Uh, again, they were attached to a, a document of some kind. They, so in the 1970s, they found in one excavation 250 seals together. Later, a couple years later, they find 50 more seals together, these clay seals with the imprint from a signet ring in them. In that, in that collection of seals, uh, they found seals for four people that are mentioned in chapter 36. Four people. How amazing is that? Four people that are mentioned just in chapter 36. Uh, I think in the, in, the, in the collection of 50 that they found in the city of David, I think it was 51 they found, uh, almost half of them are mentioned in the Bible. When you consider how obscure these names are, I can't even pronounce them. You've never even heard of them. And yet they found them. Once again, I I point those kinds of things out to us to show that the Bible is not about imaginary people and imaginary events and fairy tale stories. The Bible is real history. It's true history about real people and real events that took place. And there's historical evidence to back it up. Not that we need the historical evidence to prove the Bible is true, but the historical evidence backs it up. So Jeremiah, he dictated to Baruch, 
the prophecies from the Lord, and Baruch wrote them down in a book. And this, this illustrates for us what is called the inspiration of the scriptures, the, how the Bible came to be. Uh, inspiration uh, is the miraculous working of the Holy Spirit through human writers to record the words of God. And God guided Jeremiah in his choice of words. Jeremiah spoke those words to his secretary, Baruch, and Baruch wrote them down in the scroll so that the words written down were God's words. Inspiration. This is an important doctrine for us uh, as Bible-believing Christians. This is a doctrine that is under attack constantly, especially in our day, it's under attack the inspiration of the scriptures. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. There's a few verses that you should be familiar with as a Bible-believing Christian. First one is 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you want to turn there for me. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, says, All Scripture, notice the word all, all Scripture, the word Scripture is graphe, it means the writings, the words. All Scripture is given By inspiration of God. There's our word, inspiration. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture, and the word scripture is probably capitalized in your Bible. It's it's not talking about just any kind of words. It's talking about the word of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Literally, it's God breathed or God breathed it out. When you speak words, you are breathing out as you're speaking the words. God breathed out these words. He spoke these words. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's it's spoken by God. It's breathed out by God. Turn over to uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse uh, 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but a holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, it's, it's not just uh, someone's opinion about God that's written in the Bible. For prophecy never came by the will of man. The, the Bible doesn't have just the will of man or the opinions of man record it. But holy men of God spoke 
as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, literally as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit carried these men along as they were writing the words. And we we see kind of an illustration of that with Jeremiah and Baruch, as Jeremiah is telling Baruch what to write down, and Baruch is copying down the words. That's kind of the idea of what happened with these men of God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guided them in the words that they wrote. So they didn't just write their own personal opinions about God or about Jesus or salvation and that kind of thing. No, the Holy Spirit was moving them along, superintending what they wrote down so that the words that were written were actually the words of God and not the words of men. Now, go with me to Matthew chapter 5. And here in Matthew chapter 5, we we get an insight into Jesus' view of inspiration or Jesus' definition of inspiration. Matthew chapter 5, verse 18, Jesus speaking, he says, For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. So Jesus says every jot and every tittle of the law of God will be fulfilled, or of the word of God will be fulfilled. The jot and the tittle are the smallest markings on the letters in the Hebrew alphabet. It's like saying every I will be dotted and every T will be crossed. So when Jesus talks about the inspiration of Scripture, his definition is very narrow of what, he, of what he's saying inspiration is. It's not just the thoughts of God that are in the Bible or the ideas of God that are in the Bible. He's saying it's not even just the words of God in the Bible. He's saying the markings on the letters in the words will be fulfilled. That, that's a pretty exact definition of inspiration. He's saying even the markings on the letters are the word of God. Uh, the Apostle Paul, in uh, I believe it's Galatians, when he is, he is talking about the seed of Abraham, and he makes this whole argument that the seed of Abraham is Jesus Christ, his whole argument is based on the fact that the promise to Abraham uh, that God made to Abraham about his seed, would, through, through his seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed, or all the people of the earth will be blessed. The argument that Paul makes is that the word that God used, seed, in the Old Testament and Genesis, is singular. It's not plural. And Paul says that. That God said seed, singular, not seeds as in many, but seed as in one. So Paul bases his whole argument, this whole theological doctrinal argument, on the fact that the word is singular, not plural. That's how detailed inspiration is. So when we talk about the inspiration of Scripture, that the Bible is the Word of God, we're not talking that just well, the thoughts are God's, but the words are man's. No. The words are God. The letters of the words, the tenses of the words, the markings of the word are inspired by God. Now understand that even within evangelical Christianity, which is what we are, we're evangelical Christians, most people don't hold that view. Most people don't have the same definition of inspiration that Jesus has among Bible-believing Christians. 
But this is, this is what the Bible says. This is what Jesus said. That every jot and every tittle, every marking on the letters will be fulfilled. Down to the markings on the letters. And again, going back to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 36, you, you kind of see a picture of it here where God is speaking to Jeremiah Jeremiah is dictating it to Baruch, and Baruch is writing it down. So it's not Baruch's words, and it's not Jeremiah's words. It's the Lord. It's God's word. So now verse 5. And Jeremiah commanded Baruch, saying, I'm confined. I cannot go into the house of the Lord. At this point, Jeremiah was not in prison. He'll be imprisoned later on. At this point, he's not in prison However, he's not allowed to go into the house of the Lord. He's not allowed to go into the temple there in Jerusalem. Apparently, he was excommunicated from the temple for some reason that we're not told. Probably because he spoke so boldly while he was in the temple. And they didn't want him in the temple anymore. So he's barred from entering the temple. But that didn't stop Jeremiah. He wrote, you know, he, he had Baruch write down the word of God. And then he sent Baruch to read the word of God in the temple. Again, verse 5, he commanded Baruch saying, I'm confined, I cannot go into the house of the Lord. You go therefore and read from the scroll which you have written at my instruction the words of the Lord. Do you see that phrase? The words of the Lord. The words that he wrote down are the words of the Lord. In the hearing of the people in the Lord's house on the day of fasting, and you shall also read them in the hearing of all Judah who come from their city. So he, he, he says to Baruch, you take the scroll, you go into the temple, and you read from the scroll what's been written down from God. Jeremiah doesn't have to be the guy that preaches the word of God. He doesn't have to be the guy that preaches the word of God for the word of God to be effective. Baruch can do it. The secretary can do it. Now, some, some Christians have this mindset that, that preaching is for the professionals, right? And, I'm, and, I, and if I'm not a professional, well, then I, I, I can't do it. If I'm, if I'm not a pastor, or I'm not an evangelist, or I'm not a missionary, or I've never been to seminary, or I have no formal training, therefore, uh, I can't really be a preacher or, or a teacher. Well, this passage shows that the, the Word of God is alive, the Word of God is effective, the Word of God is powerful all on its own, and it doesn't matter who you are. You're qualified to read the Word of God. You can do that. Because the, the power is in the Word of God itself. It's not necessarily in the person. Yes, there's the gift of evangelism. Yes, there's the gift of teaching. But there is power in the Word of God. And he tells Baruch, you just go and just read it. Just read the word of God. And there's, and there's just power innately in the word of God, all, all by itself. You, all you have to do is read from the scroll. So verse 6 says he, he goes to the temple, and it says he goes to the temple on the day of fasting. Now remember, uh, the reason that judgment is coming upon Jerusalem and the people of Judah is because their hearts have turned away from Yahweh. Uh, their hearts are far from God. And yet we see that they're still keeping, you know, kind of these external religious practices. You know, they're, they're still holding a fast. 
of Jeremiah at a glance. It seems like the overarching theme is judgment and negative consequence. But as you take a closer look, you're given a microscopic lens into the heart of God. Yes, there was judgment and eventual exile. But think about how long-suffering and patient God was in giving them multiple chances to repent from their ways and separate from their sin. What an amazing and hopeful picture of God's heart toward you. He is just and fair in handing out consequences to those who willfully go against what he's offering. But like a patient parent, he gives grace and mercy when you vacillate between following him and venturing elsewhere. Ultimately, God wants you to choose him wholeheartedly, and he wants to bless you. Take the book of Jeremiah as a continual reminder that God is gracious and merciful but he'll bring judgment on those who refuse his ways. If you want to talk to someone and better understand what all of this means, don't hesitate to call us at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We're so glad you joined us today on Ring of Truth. Feel free to study this book on your own in the meantime. In our next edition, Pastor Dan will share more from the book of Jeremiah and provide a deeper understanding of how to apply it to your life here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and what I know because I know his voice and it only takes Rings true.